You're listening to the Course Report Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Course Report is the most complete resource for coding boot camps. On our site, we have thousands of reviews, hundreds of interviews, and a full directory of every coding boot camp around the world. On our podcast, we're sharing everything you need to stay up to date on this blossoming industry. Whether you're a boot camp founder or a future student, we hope you'll learn something on the Course Report Podcast. Okay, welcome to the Course Report February News Roundup podcast. I'm Liz. I'm Imogen. And I'm Lauren. Okay, and we're bringing you all of the news from February uh, in coding boot camps, short months, but super packed. So we want to jump right into these. It's almost spring in New York. It feels like spring. So yeah, thanks climate change. Um, anything important on the course report site this month? We launched uh, get matched, which is pretty cool. So you can still search course report for um, search the site for boot camps, read our blog, read our resources section. But now the matching tool actually considers your location, your learning goals, and then it suggests the highest rated schools. So you can narrow down your options, choose the boot camp that will help you reach your goals. So go ahead and check that out. Uh, and we will publish everything on front that we talk about today on our blog. So you can read more about all of these pieces. So Liz, what are we going to be talking about this month? Uh, okay. So we've got, uh, you know, a lot of people are talking about coding being the new blue collar job. So we're going to talk about how boot camps can kind of get us there. And then we're literally going to announce CIRR SIR today, uh, which is an initiative by a few boot camps. Um, and we'll talk about what that is and how it can help the boot camp industry. Yeah, and then we're going to also be looking at how coding boot camps are working with universities. We've looked at this before, but there's some new developments and, and new initiatives going on. And then a couple of newer boot camps are sort of tweaking that 12-week instructor-led model to fit their communities and communities abroad. So we'll touch on those. And then we're going to find out about a really cool app that was created by Flatiron school grads and NBA players. So stay mm-hmm. tuned for that. Interesting. Amazing. Okay, so let's start out with some general news. Um, Imogen, we read a piece in San Diego Times this month. What does Coding Dojo say about the new, uh, the best programming languages to learn right now? Yeah, so every year Coding Dojo has been doing an analysis of the most in-demand programming languages, um, which is obviously something that people really want to know if they're going to be going to a coding boot camp. Um, So this year they found that the top three were SQL, SQL, um, Java, and Python. And then those were then followed by JavaScript, C++, C Sharp, Perl, iOS, and PHP. Oh, that's actually really interesting. How did they, uh, they figure that out? So they looked through job listings on Indeed.com oh, to kind of see yeah, what, um, what language knowledge was required for the different jobs on there. And SQL was actually the top language last year as well, uh, but last year it was followed by Java and JavaScript. Um, but this year, Python has overtaken JavaScript to become the third place winner. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, SQL is still continuing to grow though. This year it showed up in 50,000 more listings than last year. And um, if anyone's wondering what SQL is used for, it is used to communicate with and manipulate databases. Oh, okay. So that makes sense. Um, SQL is used for databases right now. I mean, we know data science and analytics are super hot. Businesses want to be making data-driven decisions. SQL is crucial for that. So um, I would say that makes sense. 
And then Lauren Wincode raised a, a new round. Tell us about that. Yes, Miami Herald announced that Wincode raised $1 million to fund growth for their next phase. So as a reminder for everyone, Wincode is a 10-week boot camp in Miami, Florida. And so they've raised this $1 million in funding from Academic Work X Group, which is a sister company of Academic Work. And just so you guys know, Academic Work is one of the largest education consulting and placement companies in Sweden. And this is their first step into the U.S. market. So it's very cool that they chose Wincode to help out. So in January, Wincode opened Winbase, which is a 3,100 square foot dedicated campus now. Oh, that's interesting. Did, wait, so they used to have a few different campuses in like Miami, Miami Beach. Yes. Are those all combined into Winbase now? Yeah, definitely. So Winbase is their new standalone campus, and they really wanted to centralize and strengthen the overall experience for their students. So congrats to Wincode on that. Very neat. I'm visiting Miami in March. I will totally Totally check out Winbase. (laughs) Fantastic. Cool. Cool. And then Liz, I think you've got some really interesting big articles to tell us about this month. Yeah, totally. Okay. So there were a couple of um, articles in one was in Wired. The other was in the Wall Street Journal. And basically they're sort of exploring how coding is the new blue collar job, right? And thinking about how boot camps can kind of get people trained for those blue collar jobs. So earlier in February, there's a Wired article by Clive Thompson called The Next Big Blue Collar Job is Coding. Very straightforward. Uh, So just like any industry, he talks about, you know, there are different levels of skill, different education that's required for each of those types of jobs, right? In coding, there are your Mark Zuckerbergs, but there's also a huge need for millions of developers outside of Silicon Valley. And so Clive is sort of thinking about the solution there, right? And um, the solution he, he comes up with is that he says we should spend less time urging kids to do expensive four-year computer science degrees and instead introduce more code at a vocational level in high school. For people who are have already graduated from high school, for our adults out there, uh, that means you know people can start to learn how to do that at a community college. And then if you're mid-career, you can attend intense month-long boot camps like Dev Bootcamp um, is the one that he focuses on. But he basically says there should be less focus on the wonderkins and more on the proletariat. I love that message. Yeah. So is he saying that programmers are the next coal miners? <laughs> yeah, he, he does say that. And I mean, I totally agree. I think in our current political climate, there's so much focus on jobs and especially, you know, quote unquote, bringing back industries that just don't exist anymore, like coal. So one of the examples that Clive gives, and I thought this was really smart, he focuses on states that have been hit by deindustrialization, like Kentucky. And in Kentucky, they're a mining veteran, his name is Rusty Justice. It's a really strong name. Um, it founded BitSource, which is a code shop that builds its workforce by retraining coal miners as programmers. I mean, think about it, right? Miners have, he says they have a deep focus, team dynamics, they're skilled in engineering technology. And that same guy, Rusty Justice, I love this quote. He said, coal miners are really technology workers who get dirty. So I think the transition can be actually pretty clear. 
That's awesome. And so then um, there was another article, I think, in the Wall Street mm-hmm. Journal, which had a kind of similar theme. What was that about? Yeah. So then the Wall Street Journal really ran with that idea. Um, Christopher Mims published an article on how coding boot camps can actually train for those blue collar jobs. Um, so Christopher looks at our current economy. You know, we kind of think of coding jobs as being all in San Francisco. In fact, nine out of 10 open coding jobs are actually outside of Silicon. Valley. So Christopher focuses on a couple of students in particular. One is Alex Mathis. He attended Software Guild and then got a job, at, which is in Ohio, and then got a job as a programmer at Buckeye Mountain, which is, uh, they make rail freight software. Wow. And then also uh, focused on a woman named Heron Ziegel. She went to zip code Wilmington in Delaware and is now an assistant vice president at TD Bank and is working as an IT data analyst. So two really interesting sort of success stories there. And then he also talks to Eric Wise from Software Guild uh, and kind of confirms what we heard in that Wired article, right? Eric says, quote, the difference between someone with a computer science degree and someone trained to sling code is the difference between an electrical engineer and an electrician. Um, So that same sort of scale and hierarchy of different types of jobs within the same industry. Yeah, it's a really powerful sort of context to look at coding boot camps in. Okay, yeah, that super, super interesting articles there, very important. Cool, and then next we wanted to talk a bit about kind of life at boot camps, what goes on at boot camps. We've got some interesting articles about what goes on. We've got some comparisons between mm. boot camps, interviews with founders, and some discussion about different boot camp models. So, um, Lauren, I think you were reading an article in Developer Tech. Yeah, Callan Sharp from De- Developer Tech talks about, well, basically he gives an overview of things that you didn't know about coding bootcamp. So he first mentions the rapid growth of the industry and mentions course report in his article about how um, the growth rate in 2016 is expected to be 74%. So when he talks about the growth in the industry, he gives, you know, great advice on, you know, what you can do to prepare yourself at a bootcamp. Um, when thinking about these boot camps, you have to realize that they're hands-on, intensive, and it's an accelerated way to gain these essential programming skills. Um, the next thing that he talks about is financing. So if you're, if you may be concerned about how to pay for these boot camps, he talks about different companies that work specifically for boot camps to help you get the funds that you need. So. Companies like Earnest, Climb, and Skills Fund are great millennial-friendly ways to fund your education. Um, another thing that he talks about is the fact that not all boot camps require that you have a coding background. So it's a really a great step for career changers. Um, also, he talks about the fact that not all boot camps are created equal. Since schools aren't, not all the schools are accredited, it's slightly more difficult to keep them regulated. So he also he mentions course report again about the fact that you really need to, you know, use the site to look at positive and negative reviews, use the site to look at our market research and really do your due diligence on the research before you make that decision to attend a coding bootcamp. Yeah. And important just to note that Kaylin Sharp is also the um, founder and CEO of Dev Mountain. So oh, right. yep. keep that in mind, of course, as always, as we um, read, you know, guest posts from founders of boot camps. Awesome. Cool. And Liz, I think you were reading a piece about the different boot camps available in Austin. 
Yeah. So I think, you know, we've all sort of recently heard these reports of the Texas Workforce Commission, quote unquote, cracking down on coding schools. But it seems like these schools have been cooperating. Uh, Adam Rosenfield, a reporter for Austin Eno, uh, published this roundup of all the coding boot camps in Austin. And there are quite a few. So he does in-depth profiles on Galvanize. He speaks with an employer, uh, Sandbox Commerce, who talks about why they like Galvanize because they don't charge them anything to recruit engineers. And then he does an in-depth profile on General Assembly. Their grads are working at Bizarre Voice, IBM, UT Austin, HomeAway, Razorfish, all of those are Austin-based companies or have a, a branch in Austin. And then he also touches on Dev Bootcamp, which he also points out that they work with Austin-based Skills Fund, which is that lending partner we were talking about, to offer low-interest loans for qualified Dev Bootcamp applicants. And then finally, he talks about Hack Reactor, which used to be Maker Square. They started in Austin and have now rebranded under the name Hack Reactor. And so those are the four that he that he focused focuses on, but then also mentions Austin Coding Academy and the Iron Yard, which also have campuses in Austin. Um, and he also mentions Batch Academy, but they don't exist anymore. So just heads up there. The one that he didn't mention was Trilogy Education has their part-time like 24-week boot camp with UT Austin. Otherwise, a really pretty comprehensive uh, piece on, on Austin coding boot camps. Yeah, that's that's super useful. That's cool. There are tons in Austin now. Yeah, seriously. It used to just be like Maker Square, basically. And there's like almost 10 now. Yeah, so. that's so cool. Um, and then I was reading an article in the Fast Coexist website, which is, I think is subsidiary of FastCo. Um, it was an article by Jonah Exist. And he was interviewing an interesting bootcamp player, Sharif Bichet. Mm, yeah. Now, he's actually now the founder of two coding education schools. He first founded Dev Bootcamp back in 2012. And then he sold Dev Bootcamp. And interestingly, he talks up, he talks quite, you know, negatively about his experience at Dev Bootcamp. Yeah, I'm so curious about yeah. this imaging because I feel like, you know, they sold to, Dev, to Kaplan in 2015, but didn't get a ton of perspective from Sharif himself. So what did he say about his, his, uh, like why he gave up Dev Bootcamp? He, he actually said it, quote, it poisoned me Dang. when he realized that Dev Bootcamp was no longer contributing to his social mission. He says he first found Dev Bootcamp because he wanted to give tech opportunities to those who couldn't afford college. Mm. And he realized that it was, it had become more of sort of a factory, just churning out people and getting them jobs. And people were only there to have this kind of transactional relationship to find a job. Uh, um, and he didn't, he didn't like that. But the article is also about his new bootcamp, right? Exactly. So <laughs> he sold Dev Bootcamp to Kaplan in 2015. And just last year, he launched a new coding education venture called Learners Guild. Um, and he's not actually calling this one a coding bootcamp. It's 10 months rather than the three months that Dev Bootcamp was. And it has a deferred payment system, which means that students can come study for the 10 months and they don't have to start paying anything back until they find a job and then they pay a percentage of their salary for a few years after graduating and he specifically is aiming this course at low-income people women people of color and the lgbtq community um since they launched they're now on their second cohort oh, so that's cool seems to be going well yeah um excited to see what 
Learners Guild get up, gets up to. Yeah. And then kind of almost in a similar vein of a different types of boot mm. camp education, um, I think was you were listening to a podcast about uh, 42. Yeah, yeah. So we're seeing the boot camp model, you know, tweaked and uh, sort of evolved to sort of fit different types of communities all the time. Um, we listened to this Ed Surge podcast this month. They interviewed 42's United States, their U.S. COO, um, obviously 42 was started in France. Um, so this is their sort of U.S. offshoot. Um, her name is Brittany Beer, uh, and it was for their on-air podcast. Uh, it was really interesting, I think, because we've been following 42 for a while, but the Ed Surge podcast kind of asks how they do all of this, right? They've got this like $100 million in funding and this huge campus, uh, but sort of digging into what their plans are and, and how they actually do what they do. So right now there are 250 students enrolled, but there's plans to increase that enrollment to up to like a thousand students in their Bay Area campus. Um, I thought one of their most important questions was like how they're able to remove instructors from mm -hmm. the whole relationship. So, uh, Brittany says that there is this help desk. There's a handmade, handmade sign on the help desk. And it says, if you have a question, Google it. If you still have a question, ask your neighbor. So very much student led. And then I also liked that she went into, um, like how the students get their actual assignments. So they have like an intranet, they find and choose their projects, and then they get like a little video intro to the project. But other than that, like they are totally on their own. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I had listened to that podcast too. And I was yeah, kind what'd of, you think? I was just kind of surprised at the kind of fluidity of it and how the students were mm. kind of had so much freedom to kind of choose the path they go down. And I was wondering, like, if if she mentioned, well, if you know even, if how the students know they are on the right track. Yeah, I think that's such a good question. So in the podcast, Brittany says that they know that it works, that you know, 42 works because of employer feedback, but you're totally right. Like that doesn't explain how those students like day to day actually know that they're on the right track. Uh, I think, you know, they don't have tests or assessments or like a final test even right now, but I feel like as they evolve, they may like add assessments just to make sure that people are all on, you know, on pace and on the right track. But, um, it'll be interesting to see their outcomes in the U S as well. Cause I wonder if they'll actually, uh, take three to five years to actually graduate students. The the final just sort of interesting thing that I thought from this podcast was the uh, interviewer asked what their biggest challenge was. And Brittany said that it was overcoming the notion in the United States that, uh, quote, in order to have a quality education, it's got to have a pr high price tag. And the more you pay, the better it is. Uh, I think, you know, regardless of how they're going about it, I think we can all agree that that notion is something that coding boot camps are trying to overturn. And uh, 42 mm -hmm. is definitely an interesting, an interesting approach to it. Definitely an interesting approach. Okay, so next we want to talk about life and career after boot camp. So mm -hmm. we read a couple of articles on, you know, boot campers who take various paths after boot camp. So some start their own companies, some are working for cool tech startups, some are working at larger and older companies. So um, one of the stories that I thought was really, really cool was the fact that Two Flatiron School iOS grads have launched a series of messaging apps called Small Stars. So basically, they created a digital agency called Hijinks after graduation. So basically, Small Stars is it's mini cartoons that interact on top of your existing messages. 
Wait, have you seen this app? What does it have to do with the NBA? Is it like emojis <laughs> I, of NBA players? Okay, so I have seen the app. It's it's really cool. It's actually really cool. Um, so basically, they have emojis of people like Jeremy Lin, Isaiah Thomas, and Kimba Walker. If you are a basketball fan, you would know these <laughs> you people. You know Jeremy Lin. <laughs> um, so Brian Clouser and Rosario Tarabokia, um both worked on this project. These are the two Flatiron School grads. And Brian is the one who actually spent two seasons as the director of analytics with the Charlotte Hornets. So it's really cool that he was able to use those connections at, at his time there to get in front of the right people and the right agencies to really, you know, have this app created. Um, the player's biggest concern for the app was having a high quality product that made them look good while making sure that the fans had something fun to play with. And I think they definitely achieved that goal. So congrats to them. Cool. Yeah. If I was a basketball fan, I would totally download it. That Same <laughs> Um, Imogen, you read something about about coding. coding Temple, right, in Chicago. Yes, about Coding Temple. That's right. So Built in Chicago interviewed Coding Temple about a, a number of Coding Temple graduates, actually, about their post-boot camp lives and what sort of jobs they found. Hmm. So Coding Temple is in that co-working space, 1871, oh, yeah. and they teach .NET in 10 weeks, right? Yeah, that's right. So... Um, it's a it's a .NET program. And so are all of their grads working in .NET now? Like I mean, it sounds like it. I mean, the ones they talk to in this um, article are, you know, they may have other grads who have had to learn new languages for their jobs, but this one particularly talked to people who had got jobs in .NET. So one is Brian, who is a former arts manager. He's now a .NET developer at NCC Media. Cool. And then another person, TJ, is a former product development engineer, and he has now become an associate engineer at Salesforce, oh, that's cool. which is pretty cool. And then Clayton, who is a former recruiter before he did Coding Temple, and now he is also a .NET developer. Um, and they also briefly talked to Hussein, who is a, a student that we actually spoke to for Course Report um, last year, who came to Coding Temple straight from high school, and he is now a front-end developer at Fifth Estate. So... Yeah, awesome. all doing well. I love that some that one of the that TJ is an associate engineer at Salesforce because doesn't that kind of contradict with that Bloomberg that very negative Bloomberg article oh. said about how no boot camp grads work at Salesforce? Yeah, yeah, love it. <laughs> so I read an interesting article called "Forget Coding: Here's the Skill You Need Most When You Start Your Career" by Lars Schmidt and Fast Company. Okay, so what is we're, it? I we're not going to say forget coding, but I do agree with the skills that they talk about in this article. So Lars talks about the fact that the trait that you need the most is adaptability. So when you're thinking about your career trajectory and you know how to grow your professional development, you need to be able to adapt. Your ability to source new options for work is as important as your ability to actually execute that work. So he talks about the fact that your your network is a job skill in and of itself. So if you're less than a decade into your career, it's really time to prioritize building your network. Um, so really thinking about, are you meeting the right people? How can you tap into their skills to make sure that, you know, you're getting the right information that you need to be able to go further in your career? Does Lars give any tips on how to network? Yeah. Does he just say you have to network? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he actually gives really good 
fingertips. So, okay. you know, thinking about if you are, if you did graduate from a university, thinking about those alumni there and reaching out to them. If you're a boot camp alum, definitely reaching out to those alumni. Um, he talks about rethinking Twitter. It's a powerful networking and education platform. So really thinking about how you can, you know, bring yourself on Twitter, map out your connections. So don't just go out and meet people and never talk to them again. Make sure that you jot down who you meet, figure out what connect, like what is the reason why you met them, you know, write these things down. And the last thing that he says is never stop giving. So while you need to network to, you know, get, you need to make sure that you never forget to give and give your own experience and your stories to others to help them on their career paths as well. That is amazing advice. I feel like not only for coding bootcamp grads, but really for anybody who's who wants to develop their career, right? right. So talking about people, um, you know, finding networking and finding jobs after bootcamp, you know, we've seen so many bootcamps now releasing their outcomes saying they can get you jobs. But, you know, what is happening with that, Liz? Are, are students getting what they're paying for? Totally. Okay. So there was an ABC7 article and video piece uh, by an investigator, California state investigators who are looking into whether students are actually getting what they pay for at coding boot camps, right? So this is a story that we've heard before when boot camps started in 2012, there were several schools that got cease and desist letters from the BPPE, which is California's regulatory agency. Those schools have since, you know, they started the process of getting uh, approved and now some some of them have permission to operate. Others are still going through that process. Still, there are tons of questions about if boot camps are quote unquote worth it. And I think like we see overall that, you know, it is, they are worth it, right? There's 73% placement in, in jobs requiring developer skills. Um, but ABC7 wanted to dig in. So they talked to Joanne Wenzel from the BPPE. And it, I thought this article was kind of funny because it kind of points out why, um, you know, while it's important to be approved by the state, that's important for uh, consumer protection. There are also some requirements that just don't make sense for boot camps, um, course catalogs when, you know, a boot camp only has one course or like having a fax machine and like a library. Uh, so it just kind of points out the uniqueness of, of boot camps in, you know, this industry that's being regulated by a larger body. A couple of, uh, one interesting thing, actually, since we were talking about 42 before, is that because 42 has no tuition, uh, they're also not subject to those BPPE regulations. Um, so just kind of an interesting tidbit. But yeah. at the end of the piece, ABC7 says that if you're considering a coding boot camp, you should check the state regulars, regulators website to make sure that the school is approved. I would say go way further than that. You should definitely, you know, look at your state regulators website if that's important to you, but you should also be looking at the school's instructors, their reviews, past alumni, and maybe most importantly, you should be checking their student outcomes. Actually, that kind of brings us to, to talking about CIR, C-I-R-R. I wanted to just introduce everybody briefly to CIR, uh, which stands for the Council on Integrity and Results Reporting. It actually launched today, um, Ooh, so breaking wow. news. Uh, it's a group of about 20 boot camps and member organizations. I can tell you all some of them if you're curious. Yeah, Do you want to yes. know? Okay. Um, so it's Code Fellows, Code Up, Dev Mountain, Epicodus, Full Stack Academy, Grand Circus, Hackbright Academy, Hack Reactor was really integral in, in creating these standards. Um, Ironhack, Refactory U, Sabio, the Software Guild, Thinkful, Turing School, 
and WinCode. Those are the boot camps. And then uh, it was sort of led by Skills Fund, which is that lending partner mm-hmm. that, that's based in Austin. And um, of course, Report is also a member organization. Sounds like a great group. Yeah. So yeah. what have all these boot camps agreed on? Oh, okay. So good question. All right. So basically what they've agreed on is a set of reporting standards so that students have access to the same information from all schools. Uh, so you'll be able to see in these outcome summaries is what they're called. You'll be able to see uh, how many students graduated on time, how many students accept a full-time job in the field for which they're trained um, within six months, how many students secured part-time jobs. Uh, You'll be able to see if the school itself hired any graduates because I think uh, this is kind of one of those points of tension that that number is sometimes used secretly by some colleges and and boot camps to inflate job placement rates. Uh, So we're going to be really transparent about that. And you'll be able to see how many students found jobs in fields outside of what they studied for and how many found jobs uh, in their field of study. Yeah. Oh wow, that's so cool. And did you and did you say that course report is gonna be involved with this? Yeah, surprise ladies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, no, so course report obviously supports CIRR. I think you know more data is better as over the last uh, year or so boot camps have started to release these audited third-party audited outcomes reports, but this common outcomes rubric, it reduces the burden on future coding boot campers. And that's what it's all about, right? So the coding boot camp industry is still relatively nascent, um, four or five years old. But I think we can see that the most successful schools have really proven that they can deliver those results that their students expect. And um, so we're actually able to see those results with this common framework. Most like tangibly, I guess, in late March, you'll be able, you can expect to see those outcomes reports on course report school pages. So very exciting. Yes. All right. So we talk about this every month, but it's so amazing to see how the coding bootcamp model and idea is being used and adapted to cities outside of the U.S. I think right now this seems more relevant than ever. So um, Imogen, tell us about Code to Inspire. Yeah, so I think we have mentioned Code to Inspire before on our podcast, but they are a coding bootcamp for women in Afghanistan. And um, in a Green Biz article this month, we got to know Faresh Tefora, who is the founder, and, and she is has a really interesting background, actually. She was born a refugee in Iran during the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. She has a computer science bachelor's from um, a university in Afghanistan. And then she actually went to Berlin to get her master's in computer science. Um, worldly which is woman. Amazing. And then she went back to Afghanistan and taught computer science at a university there for three years. But she then, dis- you know, she heard about the, the coding bootcamp model from the US and other countries. And she realized that, you know, it, was a, it would be a great model to get more women into the program because I think she did find herself being one of the only women in this industry in in a country like Afghanistan. So she started Code to Inspire as a safe place for girls to get an education and create portfolios and resumes so that they could start working online. And so I think it's just really important to hear about these kind of initiatives going on in, in, you know, other parts of the world where education is, you know, a difficult thing to come by, especially for women. Um, and last month, we also did hear about a women's boot camp in Pakistan. So it's good to hear Amazing. about these. Yeah, yeah so. totally. Um, and then Lauren Lewagon opened a Brazilian campus. 
Yes. So Brazil Business reports that there's basically an economic crisis going on in Brazil, which is forcing people to widen their skill sets. So in the past few years, Brazil has experienced the, the worst recession in a century for the country. So while they're, they're having a hard time economically, the tech sector has grown with rates of up to 20%. So coding boot camps like Lewagon opened in Brazil last year, and they're helping to battle this unemployment. So they're going to be opening in Sao Paulo, which is actually one of the world, well, the world's 12th best city for startups, something I didn't cool. know. I didn't know um, anything. Yeah, and Google actually opened their sixth campus there. Oh, amazing. That's so great. Very cool. And then, Liz, you read something about coding in Nazareth? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, Founders and Coders, which is a London-based nonprofit coding boot camp. Does everybody remember them? They're kind of unique because they're run by volunteers, alumni, current students. Mm -hmm. It's a really inexpensive model. Um, They started in 2014, and they've opened a new campus in Nazareth in Israel. Um, It's a partnership between the British Embassy's UK Israel Tech Hub and the Nazareth Cultural Tourism Association. And it's being run by Shireen Zobi, who actually did the course in London, and now she's guiding trainees in the first session in Nazareth. Um, So another really interesting expansion of a UK-based boot camp. Yeah, that's so awesome. And I read an article about a boot camp opening in Nepal, which is another interesting country to be, you know, jumping on the coding boot camp bandwagon. So this article was in uh, My Republica, which is actually a Nepalese news website. And um, the coding boot camp is going to be an online mentored boot camp. It was founded by Takehiro Muri and Natsuko Robin, who are both Japanese, and they started TechRise six months ago. So it's going to teach Ruby on Rails and JavaScript. Wait, Imogen, so they are, uh, the founders are Japanese. Why are they opening this boot camp in Nepal? Yeah, so good question. Um, So Natsuko was actually living in Nepal during the 2015 earthquake, Ah. um, which was obviously a horrendous time to be there. And But she said that the local Nepalese were so helpful and supportive at that time. And she just noticed how much kind of young, talented people there were in the in the area. Mm-hmm. And she really wanted to give back to that community, which had helped her. So she her, she got together with um, Takahiro, who actually went through a boot camp himself, the Firehose Project. Ah, yeah. interesting. Okay, cool. And he, um, with, with his knowledge, they were able to put together a curriculum and launch this online boot camp. That's amazing. Okay, and next we're going to talk about partnerships between colleges and coding boot camps, which is something we've talked about before and is very interesting kind of how that's developing. So, Liz, I think you read an article about sort of how this has been happening and kind of an overview of this market. Yeah, so this was an Inside Higher Ed article about how companies are helping colleges break into the boot camp space. So we've seen collaborations between universities and boot camps for a while uh, through Equip and uh, just on their own. These really innovative sort of relationships between like Sabio and Antioch is a really good uh, example of one of those, um, Flatiron School and SNHU as well. But this article focuses on companies that are bringing boot camps to universities. They mentioned Learning House, which has partnerships with five universities. Uh, They're creating like online boot camps for those five schools. And then Trilogy Education, which we talk about 
quite often because they have 10 boot camps. Um, those are generally 24 weeks long, part-time, and they go through the continuing, ed continuing education department at the university. Um, I thought this was a really interesting article and this is a really interesting phenomenon. So the CEO of Learning House, Todd Zipper, said, quote, the bootcamp space doesn't have to be owned by Silicon Valley-backed companies. It could easily be brought to you by Ohio State University. But like, do y'all think that's true? I mean, isn't the appeal of boot camps that they aren't weighed down by that like red tape and bureaucracy of traditional education? I don't know if it can, they can be brought to you by Ohio State University. Yeah. And also I, I wonder about some of the costs of these too. Like, are they going to be mm -hmm. as expensive as as university since they're kind of organized by university and yeah they are well i mean they're just as expensive as boot camps typically right they're like 10 to twelve thousand dollars um i think the pros of working with a university is that you know there's more exposure for that boot camp obviously and i think that those programs can be good for students who really want to take a class at an institution that they've actually heard of mm -hmm. there's like some credibility there but I also think that just because a boot camp is associated with a university's like continuing education department, that does not mean that it's going to be more effective. Students still like have to do their research. If you are concerned about, you know, if you want to be able to apply your GI bill or get financial aid or get college credit, just because a boot camp is working with a continuing education department doesn't mean you're going to be able to get those things. Um, so still do your re research, ask all the right questions, even when you're working with a university. I think that's really good advice. Yeah, that's my advice. Cool. And then Lauren, I think you were looking at some kind of partnership going on in New York. Yeah. So it's an interesting fact that more than 291,000 technology jobs pay $30 billion in wages in New York City. Dang. And so when you think about those numbers, you realize the opportunity for technology education as well as tech jobs. So Borough of Manhattan Community College is connecting students to Code to Work and hashtag community codes. So Code to Work is a, a program that recruits and trains people from non-traditional backgrounds, such as immigrants, women, minorities, and veterans, and places them in tech-focused jobs. And then the program hashtag community codes. Everything has to be a hashtag. <laughs> I know, that's amazing. <laughs> Um, this Sorry, program is a faculty-supervised co-curricular non-credit program where students can develop independent projects with tech industry input. So these three initiatives are basically helping students train for these high in-demand roles. And so BMCC, the community college, is actually one of 15 colleges um, part of the Tech Talent Pipeline Academic Council, which is the educational component of NYC Mayor Bill de Blasio's initiative that was launched in 2014. Um, and so these public and private partnerships um, are set in place to, you know, really define employer needs and help deliver the education to match those needs. So it's a really cool initiative that they're doing in New York City. So yeah, to that. Um, community colleges are sort of unsung heroes. And I think this is, yeah. especially in um, tech education and, and sort of vocational education. So I think that this is a great example of that. Very neat. Yeah, that's really great. 
And then I was reading an article actually in the Brigham Young University newspaper, the Daily Universe, where they were profiling coding boot camps in the Utah area. That's where the university is based. Mm. And I found it interesting because it was a, you know, it's an article in a university newspaper um, talking about coding boot camps and discussing how boot camps can offer more hands-on experience compared with traditional college education. So they talked about Dev Mountain and V-School as some of the coding boot camps that are in Utah. Um, They talked to a BYU student who actually went to Dev Mountain after going to BYU. Oh, that's cool. But he, and then he said he wished his BYU course had been more hands-on. So it's kind of interesting that it's like kind of a slight criticism of their own college, which is kind of interesting. And then they also talked to the Dev Mountain co-founder who said that Tech companies primarily care about ability and don't care how they acquired that skill set, which I don't know if it's that's completely true everywhere, but um, in places where there's a high demand for tech talent, that probably is the case. Totally. And Utah is one of those places. I was actually just in Utah last weekend and my... <laughs> snowshoe tour guide was telling me that um, his son is thinking about doing a coding boot camp and was telling him that I think Google is about to open a new campus in Utah, which is really interesting. Oh, wow. That's super cool. Cool. And then Liz, I think you were also reading about a a new partnership that Coding Dojo has formed. Yeah. So Coding Dojo has teamed up with Seattle Central College to deliver programming courses at the Continuing Education Department for Working Professionals. So we talked a few minutes ago about companies that are sort of facilitating that process between um, colleges and boot camps. I think this is a really good example of how that can play out. It's also, in just reading about it, is a great example of how an equip partnership could work. Mm-hmm. Um, although in our new administration, who knows if equip will continue, um, but still very neat. Yeah. So next we want to talk about new boot camps, expansions, collaborations, initiatives, and curriculum updates. So Imogen, you read something about Bottega bootcamp and dev camp. That's right. So back to Utah again, <laughs> I'm, I seem to be the Utah reporter today. <laughs> so some other boot camps in Utah have merged. So Bottega Boot Camp and Dev Camp in Utah have merged to form a new boot camp, um, and their campus is going to be in Lehi, Utah. And the boot camp is just going to be called Bottega, so no more Dev Camp. And they decided they wanted to. I think Bottega itself had managed to gain accreditation, and so they decided to combine that accreditation that Bottega had with the content that had been made by Dev Camp CEO Jordan Hudgens. Apparently, he had produced some content that Bottega, Bottega thought would be a really good addition to their curriculum. Um, so this um, you know, newly formed hybrid boot camp offers a full-time 12-week program and also a self-paced part-time program. And you can do it online or in person. And as well as this Utah campus, they have a new campus opening in Scottsdale, Arizona soon. Very cool. So Birmingham, Alabama-based coding bootcamp Depot U has rebranded to Covalence. So Depot U was created by Innovation Depot, which is Birmingham's education tech community space. So Depot U won't actually go away completely, the name. All of the education programs at Innovation Depot will actually keep the Depot U name, including Covalence Developer Bootcamp. Um, So Covalence is actually expanding their bootcamp programs and opening in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So there's a lot going on here. So they're partnering with the Enterprise Center in Chattanooga, and that's going to be a 10-week coding bootcamp with the aim of filling a lot of IT positions within Chattanooga because this is 
is an up and coming scene, tech scene. Fantastic. And then in uh, Michigan, Grand Circus, which has graduated 600 students so far in Detroit, is opening a new campus in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, So that's a cool expansion. And then Imogen, wait, tell us about Jack Russell software. Yeah, We've been so, talking about this all week. Yeah, so I was I was kind of excited to read about Jack Russell Software School. Oh, it's actually called JRS Coding School, but the JRS stands for Jack Russell Software, which was kind of funny because last year for our April Fool's joke, we made a fake school called Jack Russell JavaScript. <laughs> what do you think our April Fool's joke will be this year? <laughs> so anyway, um, but... But seriously, though, this coding bootcamp has, has an interesting name, but it also has a very interesting um, kind of reason for existing. So I listened to a podcast from The Tech Life where they interviewed the founder of JRS Coding School, which is in Charleston, New- North Carolina. Um, and the school is part of the Jack Russell Software Innovation Center, which was actually started by, by Tom Wilson to leverage tech to improve healthcare at Tabula Razor Healthcare Center. So just to, if that's confusing, Tabula Razor Healthcare Center was what was around first and they wanted to improve healthcare there. So they launched an innovation center to build interesting healthcare tech products. And then Tom, the founder, was not able to find you know, senior software devs in the Charleston area. He noticed there was a skills gap. And so he created JRS Coding School so that they could bring in junior devs and grow them. Um, so he also realized that they'd be able to grow their community and grow talent in the area. And so they started this boot camp. It's 12 weeks of immersive training in full stack JavaScript. Um, there is a pre-work section to get into the course and they also offer scholarships. Very cool. Um, Lauren, do you want to tell us about new schools in February? How many schools did you add to the yes, course support just, directory? You know what? We had a little a bit a handful. Of month. Yeah, nice. Handful this month. <laughs> so, of course, JRS Coding School. And then we have University of Denver Coding Boot Camp in Denver, I2 Labs Academy in Miami, Florida, Mente Argentina in Buenos Aires, Dallas Coding Academy in Dallas. San Antonio Coding Academy in San Antonio, Houston Coding Academy in, in Houston. Houston? <laughs> nice. Yes. <laughs> That's it for this month. All right. So we want to wrap it up with our favorite pieces that we worked on on the blog this month. Imogen, what was your favorite piece? Yay. So I um, I did a really fun piece with Dev Bootcamp this month. Um, oh, I loved this one. Yeah, it was really cool. I first of all did an interview over the like over Skype with um, a team of Dev Bootcamp grads who just graduated and they were telling me about their final project. And it was so cool. It was like a VR piece of software to help people... Um, get use back of their hands after some kind of accident. Um, so it was, it was rehabilitation of their hands. And I just thought it was so cool. So I decided to go into Dev Bootcamp um, and take my camera and film them demoing the software. And it was really cool. And I think it turned out as a really cool piece. So if you want to see the sort of like crazy stuff that people can build for their Dev Dev Bootcamp or any coding bootcamp final project, you should check out this video. It's um, it's really impressive. It's really neat. It's so cool that they like thought to use the Internet of Things and yeah. thought to use it for such a valiant purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and the video they did was awesome too, Imogen. So yes, check that out. Lauren, what was your favorite piece? My favorite piece was the Ultimate Guide to Mobile Development Bootcamp. So if you're any 
If you're remotely interested in iOS development, Android development, creating all the crazy mobile apps that you use every day, um, really check out this guide. Um, an interesting fact to know is that by 2020, global mobile app downloads will reach 288.8 billion. Dang. So when you there's a lot of statistics that I go mm-hmm. over in this guide, so definitely check it out. But mobile the mobile development industry is definitely on the rise and there's a great need for mobile devs so find out average salaries um, see what skills you need and find out our suggestions for top mobile dev boot camps so check it out yeah that was fun we went through all of the mobile boot camps in the u.s and abroad yeah. and kind of handpicked our our handful of favorites so that's worth checking out what about you liz what was your favorite oh i don't know uh the uh, the Getting CIRR, CIR Live, was mm-hmm. a big one, so you should check out the blog post about that. But I also loved the Chase employer spotlight that we did. I got to speak with Chuck Zanakis, who is the global head of technology recruiting strategy at JPMorgan Chase. He's like the real deal. <laughs> and it just kind of fit this theme of the month, realizing that when you think Chase, you're probably thinking, you know, banking, but actually the tech team at Chase is 40,000 people. They've hired, yeah, it's huge. And that's one of those industries that you don't necessarily think is a huge, yeah, has a huge need for tech, but you know, it's gigantic. And Chase has actually hired five coding bootcamp grads from Mm -hmm. Tech Elevator in Ohio. And then they also hire from uh, Zip Code Wilmington and Hack Reactor. I think he's hired like 50 or 60 bootcamp grads in total. So it's kind of like a super employer. Um, Good to know. Yeah. I asked him if it was tough to convince other managers to hire from bootcamps at Chase. And he said, yes, but this was my favorite quote of his. He said, it only took a few hiring managers who had open minds and were willing to take the time to invest in the new employee to get those first few hires. Then once we saw success with them, other managers came on board and were willing to try it. So really good advice to other employers uh, thinking about hiring from boot camps. Yeah, it really shows that, you know, boot camps are producing very hireable talent. Totally. All right. Thank you for tuning in to the Course Report podcast. We love feedback. So email us at hello at coursereport.com with your questions and comments. If you liked this podcast, subscribe to it. Go to iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Um, download it and give us a rating and a review to help other people find the Course Report podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Bye.